So good to see you here tonight, everybody. We are the church and Jesus loves us. Just want you to know that today, Jesus loves you. I've got two stories I want to share with you before we move on. And uh, last week, Pauline and myself were in the Holy Spirit Conference, probably Tuesday, Wednesday last week. I think it was Tuesday night. After the service was done, they prayed for healing. And uh, the guy doing the prayer had said, now listen, whatever you couldn't do before, I want you to do what you couldn't do before. And many of you here today would know Aaron Page. He'd had some serious medical conditions this year, had spent a long time in Royal Adelaide, uh, and had some a serious rehabilitation that he's going through months and months and months worth and so prior to that he had some mobility problems and hadn't been able to touch his feet like to bend over and touch his feet before the condition that he was in and so this preacher says I want you to do something that you couldn't do before and so try it out so Aaron thinks well I've got nothing to lose here so he thinks I'll just touch my feet and he bent down, he could touch his he, he could touch his feet. And his Joe's there. She said she sees his happy Joe's. What? So he did it again. And then when he's telling me this, it was after the service, he came straight to me and he's just bawling his eyes out, just weeping and weeping, cannot believe what's happened. And he said, and then I thought, well, I'll go outside and see if I can if I can jump. And he said, I came to the meeting tonight, and he said, I couldn't even step up a step. Because I couldn't step up one step because my legs were so, muscles were so weak. And he goes, and now look, and he started jumping. And what he did is when he went outside that to, to test things out, he went outside and he began to jump and he jumped and he hit his head on a beam. So I said, so you're, you're healed, but you've got a fractured skull. That's good. But you know something, that the power of God touched him and, and he, was, he was healed on that very day in a meeting not unlike this and yesterday so let's give the Lord a hand for that that's just incredible he's Aaron is going to be doing a, a, a video testimony for that for that preacher so that they can show that in other places but I guess we'll be able to get that ourselves and you can hear it from his own his own mouth but yesterday a friend of mine called from the southeast and he said, look, my son David, he's, a, he's got an adult son. He flies in and out of work to South Africa. He lives in Perth, but flies to South Africa to work. He's on a, a mining thing. And he says, the last time he was there, he got malaria. He's come back to Australia. He's, he's incredibly unwell. Uh, his kidneys have shut down. He's been, they've had him in an induced coma, all sorts of complications. And... He's come out of the out of the um, induced coma and, and all that's getting better. But he goes, his kidneys are, are, are completely shot. He's going to have to go on dialysis, and they're going to do the very first dialysis today. And he goes, you know, he's just really concerned about the situation, everything like that. And I was just going to take the phone call and say, oh wow, that's really that's really tough. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what just happened to Aaron? And so, before we hung up, I said, hang on, hang on a sec. Let's just pray about this. Can we pray? And he goes, oh, yeah, okay. And he's on his, he's on his big 
tractor machine on his farm, plowing away. He goes, oh, yeah, okay. So I begin to pray and start saying, Lord, we just pray for David right now in that hospital bed in Perth. Heal his kidneys right now. Whatever else is going on, we pray that you heal him. And I prayed a prayer of faith. Now this morning at 8 o'clock, Gary rings me again. And I'm thinking he's going to say, hey, guess what? You know, my son died. This is the level of my faith. And I'm thinking, oh, how's it going, Gary? Thinking, oh, I don't want to know. And he says, about that time we prayed yesterday, we prayed. I'm thinking, okay, that was two of us with faith. About that time we prayed yesterday, David's kidneys began to function again. So he didn't need to go on the dialysis yesterday as they were planning. And I just was like, whoa, that is so amazing. So right now, what I want us to do today is I want us to think of the most impossible healing that you might need and start to believe God. Maybe it's for yourself, maybe it's for somebody else, but I want you to have a a deposit of faith get upon you. Maybe it's even for something something equally impossible for you. Maybe you might be thinking, I I need a, a breakthrough in a certain area of my life, whatever it could be today. I want to pray a prayer of faith. And I want you tonight to do something. We're not going to say, hey, come up here and tell us all. But I'll tell you, when you know God's touched you, you know God's touched you. One thing that I thought was so incredible was Aaron's response last Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was, where he just could not stop weeping because of what God had just done in his body. It's just an incredible touch of God. So let's just pray today. And I want you to believe Jesus as I pray that whatever it is that you need in your circumstance, for your family, for your job, for your for your breakthrough, that Jesus is able. So Jesus, we just pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit from, from uh, the east to the west, from north to the south in this building. Lord, that we will see miracles. Lord, we know that you're a miracle-working God. We know that, that uh, you came and gave your life upon the cross so that we could be free from every oppression, from every limitation, from every bondage and and blockage in our lives. So I pray today, right now for healing to flow. I pray right now, right across this place, that, that people's bodies will be touched, that people's minds will be set free, that every bondage of, of limitation will be broken off by the mighty power of Jesus today. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Give someone a, 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 a greeting as you take your seats tonight. I like, I like this idea of Thursday night church. I think it's great. Thanks, musicians. Thanks, team. You did a wonderful job tonight bringing us into the the throne room of Jesus today. Who enjoyed that mellow worship tonight? Really, really good. I just want to speak as briefly as I can today just to let you know um, I'll be speaking in Adelaide in the next the next two Sundays at a couple of churches over there. So would really appreciate your prayers as a church for me. And I'll share that with you here tonight to, um, as 
our support network, as our uh, part of us as we go, is we, we take the essence of our church with us. So I just want to say, um, would love to have your prayers for us on the weekend and uh, this weekend uh, in Adelaide and the one after in Strathalbyn. So, and I know that we always have uh, great preachers here. So we've got some of our own team will be uh, preaching. I can't remember who's doing what. I'm, I'm away, so I'm just like, forget all about it. But um, I want to say, um, God is doing a good thing in our church. I mean, I, we don't really have to do it, but if we were to ask how many people are in the church on a Sunday that have come in the last two years, we'd be shocked about how many people are that new to our church and how many uh, new Christians are here. It's, it's quite amazing what God's doing. But I want to talk briefly tonight on Elijah. We've all heard the name Elijah, the great prophet. Uh, he's known as a, a great prophet and an incredible man of God uh, through the Old Testament. He's, I mean, to me, I think one of the most unique factors about him is his exit from earth without dying. Um, that's our exit strategy for most of us is to exit by dying first. Um, he's the first of a resurrect. I mean, a, um, a uh, I'm trying to think of the right words here. Um, yeah, an ascension. Uh, what, what's the other word of the, uh, uh, what, that we're waiting for for when Jesus returns? A rapture. He's the first of the rapture. Don't mind my, don't mind my fogginess. He's the first of a, he's a rapture generation. And he was raptured before anybody else, before um, we were even taught about the, the, this day of rapture. But Elijah is a first of that generation. Um, I think we, we look at him and see the mighty deeds he, he performed, the boldness that he had, the spiritual authority that was on his life. He's one who can be counted as God's champion. If we were to look at anyone and think, hey, this, this guy's got to be a champion in God, Elijah would be it with good cause. But Elijah lived under the reign of King Ahab and his evil wife Jezebel. And uh, she had prophets of God in her sights. Her public enemy, number one, was anyone who believed in God. Uh, if, you're, if you're a prophet, if you were uh, someone who uh, wanted to you know, work for God, then she hated you. She wanted to kill you. So Elijah himself had this impressive highlight reel of his life, of, of things that, that were accomplished in his ministry. And I, I guess I would love to have a highlight reel like his. If, if you could do a, a little commercial of the ministry, you, you know, he'd have some great highlights. But none more impressive than the contest at Mount Carmel. Uh, he was outnumbered 850 false prophets to one. He was the one. 850 other prophets. Who would just like to see 850 people in church? Well, he's got 850 enemies and he's the only one standing against them. So uh, these 850 false prophets, what makes it even worse is they're on the government payroll. They're on the pension. And here he is, he's got to find his own support, he's got to find his own uh, uh, um, income. And these other prophets, they've got it made. They come, that the government gives them the sacrifices. So here's, here's the sacrifices. You, you, you get to have these for free. Um, the, 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 the government prophets are, 
are fully funded. And here's Elijah, who is a prophet of God, and he's got to find his own way of making a living and all that kind of stuff because Jezebel is providing for the false prophets. So what I want to say there with, with King Ahab and Jezebel is they're the most ungodly kind of government system that you'd ever want to be under. So you think of every kind of law that we've had over the years, well, they've done them even worse. Every kind of anti-godly standing, that's what they're for. Every um, anti-godly uh, agenda, they're behind it. They're right for it. And this is the kind of, the kind of nation, the kind of government that Elijah finds himself. So what I want to tell you today is great men and women of God aren't born because the conditions were just sweet. So great men and women of God who rise up to be prophets can come out of the most uh, hardened circumstances and situations. So we need to realize that. So I'm thinking, hey, you know, if, if the world starts to get darker, then God is going to raise up a new generation, an Elijah generation again in these last days. So um, where were we up to? So God, when it came to that, that thing, that contest on Mount Carmel with all these uh, 850 other prophets, God answers Elijah's prayer with fire that burned up the bull sacrifice on his altar and it burnt up the, the wood and licked up the water in the, in the trench and all that sort of, sort of thing. I'm not going to go into all the details of that. But it's said that when that happened, so all these people, there's the 850 prophets there, the, the evil prophets there, it says they're beating themselves, they're chanting, they're dancing, they're trying to get attention of their gods, out of their, out of their demon gods, and nothing's happening all day long. And so they're, they're getting more and more intense, they're chanting and, and dancing. And then it says, Elijah rebuilt the, 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 the altar again, the altar of the Lord. He rebuilt it with 12 stones, and then he prayed. And I want to tell you something, you've got to do some rebuilding in your life and then learn to pray and you'll see the power of God begin to move in your life. You might be thinking, well, what are the things, you know, we're not going to go into all this today, but there are some things that you might need to be rebuilding in your life of, of your relationship with God and then be bold enough to pray and you'll see God begin to move in your life. So it says that when that happened, when the fire from heaven fell down, it says suddenly everyone watching declared the Lord is God. That's like, what were they waiting for before? They're like, mm, yeah, let's see who God is. Now nothing's happening. Wow, look at him bleeding. That prophet of Baal is really bleeding. Look at that one. But then it's not until suddenly Elijah prays and this huge, like, I don't know what it is, firestorm from heaven comes down and consumes it. And then suddenly all the people are like, the Lord is God. Of course, we knew it all along. And then they get, they get so excited. They say, let's get, all the, let's get all the fake prophets and let's kill them all. Suddenly they've got this zeal and passion for God, which they didn't have before. But Elijah's biggest win of his career is that, that moment. And before he had a victory lap of the MCG, because if that was me, if that happened in my church, I'd be like, yeah, oh, I'd be like, get Where's my phone? Look at this. You'd be going crazy. You'd be, you'd be wanting to get it out there. You'd be calling David Hall. You'd be telling everyone. But see, before he has 
the victory lap, uh, before he's planning the victory lap at the MCG, he's interrupted with a text message. He's just like, he's, he's like, whoa, this is awesome. And then suddenly, his phone was on silent because it was sort of church. And he sort of has a sneaky look and it's like, it's Jezebel. And, he go, and his heart sinks he says, and she says, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. And he just, panic grips him. 1 Kings 19, you'll find this story. She, she says, by this time tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. So after this amazing victory that Elijah has, it says that he fled for his life. Something gets on him. Something that, that of fear overtakes him. It says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4 and 5, then it says, he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. I just want to get you to think of that a moment, a solitary broom tree. It wasn't a broom tree in a forest of broom trees. It was a lonely broom tree. And there was no other option broom tree. It was a broom tree one or broom tree none. It says he found himself um, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then it says, then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. I want to tell you today, his, the, the, the uh, condition that Elijah found himself, one of great victory, one of great high, a threat from a simple text message to running away and saying, I'm escaping all this and then saying, God, I just, I just don't want to be here anymore. Just let me die out here. And so there's a great desperation, a great high, and then a great desperation in his life. He's had enough. He's done. He's toasted. He's roasted. He's finished and done. That's it, God. Take me out of here. But it says, this is where I get really excited about the Word of God. It says, but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him. And told him, get up and eat. That's a pretty amazing broom tree he's sitting under here. So there's an angel touch him. He, Elijah has suddenly found himself in an awakened moment. He's got an awakened moment going on as an angel touched him. So Elijah wakes to find bread baking on hot rocks and a jar of water beside his head. There's a supernatural encounter going on. And that food, it said, gave him enough energy to travel 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, again, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 7 to 9, you'll find the story in full. But I want you to discover that when things are against you, you don't have, you don't have to get so far to have lost the will to keep going. But maybe you've been there. That's when you're, you're at the door of an awakened moment in God. So he found himself under a solitary broom, broom tree in the wilderness, alone, isolated, disconnected, unwilling to have another go, quite frankly. He says, I've, I'm done, I'm finished. Get me out of here, God. I'm not doing this anymore. So God has another plan and sends an angel and says, hey, go wake him up. Remember the, our first awakening that I spoke about, about Peter in the cell? 
and, and God sends an angel, maybe it's the same angel, and has a gift of waking people up. We need that angel in our lives. We need that kind of an angel. I call it the Holy Spirit today who wants to come in and wants to give us a, bit of a, a little bit of a tickle on the sides, wake us up a little bit, cause us to, to, to refocus again. So Elijah's awakened for a wilderness encounter. So most of us hate the wilderness. Most of us hate the wilderness season of life. But it's a valuable place where we encounter God like we can't in any other part of our lives. Um, Jesus will take you to wilderness experiences in a ministry, in your ministry, that will lead to new assignments. I want to show you what happens in Elijah's life here today. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. Um, so he says, you know, God says to Elijah here, eat, eat, eat the bread and um, drink, drink the water. And uh, then, then it says, hey, you better, the angel says, hey, you better eat some more and drink some more because you've got a long journey. And it says that he went for 40 days and 40 nights without any other food or water until he gets to um, Mount Sinai. So there, it says 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. So God gave him a night off. So he's been walking 40 days and 40 nights because this bread and this water had a lot of good stuff in it. So he had a lot of energy. He just kept walking. Uh, all the way into the, the, the back end of the wilderness. But the Lord said to him, this is the, the point I really want us to see tonight, uh, that we've really got to get a hold of. But the Lord said to him, after he had a night off in the cave, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, we don't get the inflection of how he said that because there's a, the church greeter, the, the way a church greeter greets people, that says, what are you doing here? I don't think that's how, how God said it. Uh, could have been, what are you doing here? I don't know. I'm not sure what the inflection was, but maybe it was, what are you doing here, Elijah? We don't know the inflection God used with that, what are you doing here? But it says in 1 Kings chapter 19.10, Elijah replied, I have, I have zealously, get that word right, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So I think if you heard that answer, you'd think Elijah's in pretty bad shape spiritually. He's pretty down. He's just had a month off away. He's just had a month off, by the way. He's been walking from that, from that text message from Jezebel. He's like, oh, I'm walking. Thanks for the bread and water. I'm out of here for 40 days. So he's been on this, um, he's been away from the hustle of ministry for at least 40 days, but uh, he's fixated on Jezebel's influence, threats, and evil control. Because he's, you know, he didn't name her, but he's saying, you know, um, I've zealously served the Lord, um, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. So he's fixated on the condition of the nation. The next thing is God wants to display his glory to Elijah. And I want to tell you something. When you position yourself in the right places with God, it doesn't matter what you're going through or where you've been or what, you know, what the circumstances are, God wants to display his glory to you. And one of the great places you'll, you'll find that is in the house of God, in the presence of God, spending some time in worship and praising with other believers. It's a it's a hot house of faith. 
It's a place where God will begin to speak to your spirit, begin to speak into your heart in a way that uh, you, know, you can't do sometimes all, all by yourself. <clears throat> so Elijah is in bad shape. Uh, I do have a disclaimer that Elijah was not harmed in this story. God actually helped him. The Lord displays his glory. So it says that the Lord passed by, and we, we often hear this preached with a huge blast of wind. So it's like, it's like a hurricane. And it says that the wind was so violent, it tore the rocks from the ground. I'm not talking about little like pebble rocks. It's like big boulders are getting torn out of the ground. and Just wind's just destroying everything. Then it says uh, there was an earthquake. It's like the rocks that didn't get moved by the wind, the earthquake moved them. Then, then it says then there was a fire and then a gentle whisper. But we don't know what the gentle whisper says. It doesn't actually say. And it says, when he heard the gentle whisper, Elijah wrapped his cloak around his face and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Now, I wonder what the Lord would ask Elijah now. Think, hey, this is a pretty big, pretty big introduction. There's like hurricane, earthquake, fire, rocks getting torn out of the ground, left, right and center. What, what's the question going to be now that God asked? Verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> what are you doing here? Don't be surprised that God will ask you the same questions more than once. You, know, you need to put your name there in Elijah's name. And I believe in these, these days that we live in, in Australia, are days of designing Elijah's. Days of, of refining Elijah's in our churches, in our lives, in our hearts that we may say, Jesus, you've created me for a time like this, that I may rise and be a prophet to our generation. But don't be surprised that God will ask you the same questions more than once. So this is what Elijah says. He, he gets a second chance. Who loves a second chance at the exam? When you failed once, say, give me another chance, please. I'll get it right next time. I remember once I had a, had a fight at school. The guy's name was, was, was Flannery. That's all I remember his surname was Flannery. And he was in the tuck shop line, minding my own business. And he goes, oh, used a, a, a derogatory reference, a, a, a racial reference, says, to the back. And I thought, I'm not moving. Anyway, so he was really upset about that. So he said, I want to fight you. And I thought, well, I'd, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so I was really, really curious. So he said, I want to fight you at the at the bike shed. I was like, all right. And I followed. I went, all right. And I got flogged. And then I remember he, he got on top of me and he said, see this fist? You, do, you disrespect me again? I'm going to really pummel you. I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. And, and he goes, you understand? I went, yeah. He got off. And then he says, you know, start, starts mouthing more. And so we had another turn. And I ended up exactly the same spot. I was like, that's like failing the exam twice. I should have given up once. Because when you get belted up, it hurts both times. It's not like the second time's easier. It just hurts. So, Mr. Flannery, wherever you are. So, this is how, how Elijah responded to, this, to the same question. He replied again. I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. 
But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's practiced his answer. He's probably been walking for 40 days through the wilderness thinking, the people of Israel have broken your covenant, God. Yeah, he's talking all the way. They've torn down your altars. They killed every one of us, except for me. So when God asks him a question, he's thinking, oh, I know what to say, I know the answer. Didn't you hear me the first time, God? God's saying, I heard you, but it's not the answer. What are you, what are you here? What, what are you doing here? See, God is thinking, I mean, God's asking the question, what are you doing here? Not to find out why he's here. So God is thinking, God hears the answer the second time, and he's thinking, hmm. You'll be right. You have another 40 days back before you see anybody. You'll work out the answer of why you've been here. But God tells Elijah to go back the same way he came. He says, go back the same way you came. He's saying, basically for us, he's saying, go back to the foundational truths of your faith. Get your anchor back again, anew, afresh in me. And and what I want us to see today is... Sometimes we'll go through wilderness experiences. Maybe we might see the, the conditions of the world around us and start to think, well, it, it's hopeless. Everything's going to uh, go against us now. But God wants us to go back the same way we came. And then he says to him, I want you to anoint Hazael to be the king of Aram. That's an enemy nation. Then anoint Jehu to be the king of Israel. And then it says, anoint Elisha to replace you as a prophet. I've got some references of what happened in all those places. But when God asks you, what are you doing here? You reply, I'm here for a new assignment. I'm here for a new assignment, God. And so that's what, what, what uh, uh, God was wanting to ask of Elijah. What are you doing here? It's not, be- not because of why, why you're here. It's what are you doing here? And what God was wanting Elijah to see, but he didn't see, was he's there for a new assignment. He's there to be given the next assignment, which was three anointings that God wanted him to do. Two kings and a prophet. But I will throw this one in because it is curious. He didn't, fo- he didn't follow through on anointing the kings. It says that Elijah went straight back, found Elisha, anointed him and said, that's it, I'm done. It's amazing. So if you, if, if you look up some of these scriptures, uh, uh, anoint King Hazel to be king of Aram. 2 Kings 8, verse 17 to 15, Elijah didn't do it. Someone else did. Anoint Jehu to be king of Israel. 2 Kings 9, verse 1 to 13, Elijah didn't do it. Someone else did. Uh, anoint Elisha to replace you as prophet. 1 Kings 19, 19, first thing he did. Because I think he was like, I'm out of here. Who's, who's the next person? I'm giving them the keys. I'm giving them the company car. And goodbye. I'm out of here. So when God asks you, what are you doing here? Your reply is, I'm here for a new assignment. And you might be looking at elements of your life. Can I have a musician's back or some keyboard or something, please? You might be thinking, well, what am I here? Why am I here? Why has God brought me here? Maybe there's disappointment. Maybe there's, there's uh, uh, things that didn't work out, things that were outside of God's plan, downright evil things. And you have that question of yourself, why am I here? That's God's way of saying, what are you doing here?
And you need to remind yourself, shake yourself, have an awakening. I'm here for a new assignment. So I want to tell you today, right across this room here today, you're here for a new assignment. Whatever your experience may have been, whatever failures, whatever triumphs, God's saying, I want to prepare you for a new assignment. There's anointings that he wants us to fulfill. As I said, Elijah was a great, great man, but no less carrying the weaknesses just like we do. And I don't want us to miss the opportunities that God places before us. God is saying, fill your horn with oil. There's anointing to do. God's not done with you yet. Get the oil, get the anointing. There's another assignment on the other side of this awakened moment, Elijah. And I just know that God is wanting to start stirring the Holy Spirit through the church in these days and touching people, awakening people to a spiritual spiritual destiny, spiritual assignments. See, we, we're, we're going to have disappointments and setbacks and wilderness interludes. But we've got to allow God to use those to reshape us to carry a new anointing. It's all about reshaping. It's all about relearning. It's all about having that relationship again with the Lord. See, Elijah's awakened, set him up for a new season of anointing for the future. So I just want us to, if we can today, you should all have your, your communion cup there. I just want us to, to go back one step of the story today where Elijah's under that broom tree. Solitary broom tree. There was nowhere else to really stop. No, nowhere else. There's only one tree. So he stops there and God provides a supernatural sacrificial meal. It says there was bread and a jug of water. And as we use our little pack today, our communion, the, the bread there represents Jesus' body. That broken body, which represents our brokenness, that we give to Jesus, and He replaces with His resurrection body, His resurrection power. The other thing we saw was the bread. I mean, was the the jug of water. I don't know why God didn't just lead him to a, to a, a creek somewhere, but said He gave him a jug of water. Sometimes we're not going to be able to live beside the stream. We all want to have that kind of a life. I just live by a stream. It's always flowing, always good, always green. Sometimes God says, you've got nothing else around here except a broom tree for shade, this bread that's cooking that I'm providing, and this container of water. But that's all we need sometimes to sustain us through a wilderness time. We hold in our hands representation of Jesus' blood which was a sacrifice the new covenant that God has I guess in in a way Elijah was discovering a new covenant in his own life 
an awakened covenant. So can we just stand together today and allow ourselves the opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to take this time to have an awakened covenant, to have an awakening in my life for the new anointings that are before me. I'll just define what that means. So some of us may have had a, a season of the, in the sun. Maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe it was 20, maybe it was two. But we're thinking, hey, I think I've done as far, I, I've done it, I've gone as far as I could go and now my time's done. I'm here to tell you today, just like Elijah was at that point, Covenant Mill was waiting for him and says, no, you're not done. There's new anointings in you. Let's just eat and drink with that thought one of the most important things that we have as a church is the power of each other the power of encouragement the power of prayer and corporate identity as the church. And what I want us to do as we worship tonight is just say, Jesus, help me to start unleashing that anointing. That anointing that Elijah got, that awakened anointing. And activate it today. Move around the room and just let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. God will put someone on your heart and just go and encourage that person. They don't become, as I've said before, they don't become your project. They don't need you to talk to them for four hours. You just, the Lord will give you a word, a succinct, clear word, maybe a phrase or a scripture. If you think that, then God's speaking to you. God's starting to put an anointing on you, an awaken anointing upon you. Let's awaken the awakened anointing tonight. You might think, well, I've never done it before. Well, it's a great time to start. It's a safe place to start. As a worship team, lead us in worship. Then I want us to activate something tonight and move around the place and just encourage one another. It's not weird. It's not freaky. But let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to you and let the, the, the Holy Spirit minister through you. I'm just going to pray before we move on. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for yeah, against every doubt that would come into people's minds right now. I pray for faith to rise. I pray for confidence and boldness that we begin to hear what you want us to hear. We begin to obey that small voice of the Spirit. I pray, Lord God, as we move into the next part of this service, Holy Spirit, that you begin to pour out an awakened anointing upon us. An awakened anointing that is about others, is about the future, not about the past. So Father, I just pray today, we're ready, Lord God, to move. We're ready, Lord God, to touch heaven in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.